Well, it's been over a year that I can stand up here and say, take your Bibles, and I'm not going to say, turn in your Bibles to what book? And on Wednesday nights, uh, we just finished uh, a couple of weeks ago, I would say, take your Bibles and turn with us to Acts. So now we finished the book of Acts and we finished the book of Revelation. Today, we're going to start in Hebrews. So your Bible's open to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, and, and I'll read those verses in, in, in just a moment. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9. Um, I do appreciate all of you ladies who um, made and prepared food for today. Um, I know at our house things are hectic. Uh, it's a hectic time of year, you know, between grandchildren and, and uh, family Christmas events and uh, cooking for those things and getting home and then uh, Diane, I mean, I didn't do anything, but Diane hastily getting home last night resting for a little while, and then many of you have to do the same thing, cook for fame, and then turn around and cook for today. And I am, I am grateful for uh, the sacrifices you made to do that. Uh, and I, I would appreciate those who stay and, and are willing to participate. Even if you can't buy anything, that's fine. Stay and eat some chili with us and, and fellowship. It'll be, a great, it'll be a great time. You know, uh, in Robbie's reading, and of course I... I Usually I wait to the last minute to give Robbie the reading. Bless his heart. Robbie does a great job of reading the scriptures. Amen? I love to hear him read. He does a great job. Uh, but our children do a great job. Amen? Isn't that awesome? I think about when I was their age, I would never get up in front of people and read like that. I think that's, and that's, that's training, by the way, folks. That's why we do it. Uh, we're training them because uh, one day they're Sunday school teachers and they're deacons and and uh, I was thinking, you know, one, we just baptized not long ago. It's just an awesome thing. Um, I just lost my train of thought. That never happens to you, does it? But anyway. Let's, I can't, I'll remember this. Go to Hebrews chapter 9 anyway. So thank you so much for your presence this morning. Um, oh, I was thinking, last week I mentioned about Diane, um, about her uh, missing her appointments. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, she's not in here. I didn't. By the way, some thank you for not mentioning that to her because I didn't get any feedback. But after church, uh, I get feedback, especially if I go long. I do get feedback, and uh, but anyway, I was thinking about it again because uh, you know she's like many of you ladies do the same. You overcommit, and uh, Diane's always getting caught with somebody coming for a haircut, and she'll be in the middle of Montgomery or somewhere else, and. Here's an appointment you're not going to miss, and that's what we're going to read about this, this morning. Oh, I was thinking about I'm Hebrews 9, and I want to pick up at verse 24 to kind of put it in its, verse 23 to put it in its context. Hebrews 9, and I'll begin reading in verse 23. But I love that part uh, that Robbie was reading. You know, of course, I mean, John doesn't, he doesn't do the birth narrative. He does, he starts with Christ from creation as the creator, but it says uh, in John 1, now think about that, John's looking at, he's just reminding us that the, the son of God who died, or the babe in Bethlehem's manger was the creator, 
Because he said the world was made through him. You ever think about stuff like that? Uh, John 1.10, the world, the cosmos, the world was made through him. And then, then if you know your Bible, you're thinking, well, well, how do we know that's true? Because you go to Genesis and you read, and God said, right? And who's the word? Jesus is the word. That's why the Bible talks about the word becoming flesh and dwelt among us. That word is the second person of the Godhead, and he's the creator. He's the one that spoke thing into existence. Isn't that awesome? And folks, this is no, you know this isn't some this isn't some make believe. This isn't a fairy tale, right? This is this is reality. This is this is what life's all about. This is the real reality. The world's living in a fantasy world that's passing away. This is truth. This is and that's what Jesus meant when he said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." What matters is Christ, right? What matters is Christ. Of course, that's so easy to miss, even at Christmas when we're celebrating His birth. Sometimes the reality of Christ kind of blows by, and uh, we, don't, we don't concentrate on what we should concentrate on. But here's an appointment. I think about the appointments we miss or the appointments I have. I dread appointments. I go to Birmingham, you know, for my pain management, and I dread that trip, and many of you do the same thing. You dread, I dread going to the doctor. I, I hate certain appointments I, I uh, would like to get out of, but here's an appointment nobody's going to get out of. I'm reading out of Hebrews chapter 9. It says, Thus it was necessary, and of course, now, writing to Jews, believers or those that had heard about Christ, so it's his Jewish perspective, Hebrews. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. And, and you can go back and talk about the system, the, the Jewish system of, of worship. But the heavenly things, so that's just the earthly things. I said, but the heavenly things themselves, uh, I'm sorry, let me start at verse 23 again. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things. So whatever was put on this earth was not the real thing. What was put on this earth were the copies. For Christ entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. That's where Christ is, he's saying. Now, here it is, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So Christ has ascended. He first came, died for sin, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, and he's in the presence of the Father on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters 
the holy places every year with blood that's not even his own. He would take the blood of a bull and go, you know. But then he would have to have, then he, talking about Christ, if he was like the earthly priest, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared. Now this is extremely important theologically. He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking emphatically about the one thing that deals with sin, the sin issue, and that is the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ who shed his own blood who gave himself, you know, he didn't bring the a blood of a bull or a goat, a heifer. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment. Let me read that again. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, you know, we talk about having our the big talk with our children and grandchildren. Have you, have you had the big talk, you know, with your children or grandchildren? And when I talk about the big talk, you know, immediately in our minds we're talking, we're thinking about the sex talk and and boys and girls and gender and the birds and the bees and and that's what we're thinking about. Or maybe we're thinking about Christmas time and you have to eventually explain to them that how Santa makes it to so many houses in the course of 24 hours. Maybe that's the big talk you're thinking about, but that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the big talk that says it's a point that a man wants to die. Then after that, the judgment. Now, I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hands. I want you to think about this. It, could there be any greater topic in the, in the world of life to talk to your children or grandchildren about than that passage? about death and life and what happens, why Christ... Is there anything greater to talk about? You know, we'll talk to them about all kind of stuff, but this is the most important conversation you can ever have with your child. I would say this and then talking to them exactly how to be saved. Those are the conversations you want to have. Think about all the things we'll talk about. But this is what we ought to be talking about. And, and what better time to talk about this than, than the celebrating the... His first coming, you know, where we spend literally weeks celebrating and talking about the coming of the birth, the birth of the Son of God, the, the incarnate God, Emmanuel, God with us, all these things we sing about. I think about Walter trying to sing. Walter does a great job. Where did Walter go? You back there, Walter? Um, we try to sing, because listen, the theology, Noel, these Christmas hymns, have profound theology. It's, to me, they're, they're the deepest of all the hymns. And so Walter does a good job. We try to sing almost every one of them during the course of about a month. I mean, it's hard to do. And, but they're so, they're so profound. Have you discussed the appointment that every person has to die? You can't get out of that, right? You can't. There's death. Death you're going to deal with death. 
It's appointed unto man. By the way, that's a, a little bit in our class this morning. Talking about the sovereignty of God. This didn't, COVID didn't kill people. God's appointment. You know, that's, that's one reason why you can't fear those things, right? I mean, we talked about that a year ago, two years ago. You, you can't fear those things because who's still in control of life and death? Who's Lord of it? God is. Now, sometimes there's a lot of questions we would have about that. And, you know, you know, Diane and I, are, we talk a lot, well, especially in the day that it was real hot and heavy and it changed, you know, the world changed for so much for a while. And, and Diane lost her sister for, to COVID and, and Jane was young. I mean, Jane was um, younger than Diane and I and, and uh, she just died. And, uh, but it, that did... It, but who's in charge of that? Who, who, who makes... Well, listen to Psalm 139, 16. Let me read this to you. This is Psalm 139, 16 says... Of course, we, talk, we use this at Sanctive Human Life Sunday too. Your eyes, Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written... Every one of them, the days that were made for me. Did you hear that? Every day for you has been written in God's book. And he says, then the psalmist says, as yet there were none. Your days were written down before you were ever a twinkle in your father's eye, right? It was an eternity past in God's sovereign plan. Your days were pinned down. God's in control of this appointment. Just as he was in control of the appointment of his son coming and being the substitute for sin. That day was appointed. It was a perfect day that God had planned all through history. Really the Bible says before the foundation of the world. Let's go back to Hebrews 9 and finish. He says, and just as it's, because, you know, he'd been talking about the sacrificial system, how Christ is so much greater, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once. By the way, how many times do you die? You die how many times? Once. So if you have some super spiritual people who like to float around and, and talk mystics that want to talk about reincarnation, is reincarnation possible? No. How do you know it's not possible? Because the Bible says, how many times do you die? Once. You're not going to come back as a, an aboriginal tribesman. You're not going to come back as a, a dog. You're not going to come back as a cow. You're you're not going to turn into... You don't come... So the Bible answers these things. So there's no need to sit around the water cooler and talk about reincarnation. It's just not true. But it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. One time Christ died. Of course, that's been a big argument all through the book of Hebrews. But do we have an appointment? That we're going to die. I got some good news about that in a minute. But we have an appointment. But Christ was appointed. He came to die one time. Look what it says. 
So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, right? That's, and we're celebrating that. The birth, the son lived and died and perfect life became the, our perfect sacrifice, a perfect substitute, fulfilled every law. You know, we love the, the little phrases that even Jesus uses. Uh, he would say, you know, as it is written, and then he would do something because he said, and then he'd say, so scripture will be fulfilled. He said he would do things because the Bible says that's what Messiah would do. And so he would do them and say, so scripture can be fulfilled because he obeyed the scriptures, every law of it. A perfect sacrifice. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many. And here's what we've been studying for Really, we've been studying 18 months because I spent six months before we even got to the book of Revelation. He says, he will appear a second time. I'm just here to tell you that, that we've spent all that time talking about prophecy because the Bible tells me eight more times are there Bible verses that talk about that second time than it talked about his first time. In a lot of the Old Testament, prophecies talked about the second time. They talked more about the second time he comes. And I know they're talking about the second time because it talks about him reigning in Jerusalem, sitting on his, the throne of his father David. He didn't do that the first time. So he's, he's coming back, right? And I mean, you didn't answer that right. He's coming back, right? And so that should control. Think about what I just said and how we answered that. He's coming back. Back. And I won't go into, you know, I could come up with, the, but does your life reflect that? The king and king, the king of king, Lord, is coming back. And you're his child, and does your life reflect that he's coming back? He says, He will appear a second time not to deal with sin. Isn't that great? Sin's been dealt with, right? He dealt with sin. So when he comes back, he's not coming back to save. He's coming back to judge and then to rule, right? He will appear a second time not to deal with sin. He's not going to come back and die again. But to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, I pulled 12 Bible verses. Guys, you ready? I know it scares you to have 12 cross-references. And this is my introduction, right? And I, I know, I, I'm watching my clock. I know what time it is. But related to where we are out of, out of Hebrews 9, 23 through 28, these are some Bible verses that I just picked that relate, just talking about the sovereign place that Christ holds. And then we'll, we'll read one verse together and we'll close. Uh, I'll read it. You can just watch it along with me. I, isn't there 12 of them, right? Okay. So you can read it with me. I'm going to read them out loud. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells. Grab that. Everything that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit wanted to reveal to us about the Trinity, Jesus is and was. He was all God, everything. The, the fullness, the whole fullness of deity dwells in Him. Next, okay. I love this. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 4, 14. Isn't that awesome? 
course, you can tell. Now, before we go, just to remind you, why are those little dots right there? Thank you so much. See, I tried to be accurate with that. Go ahead, because that's in the middle of a verse. But when Christ had offered for all times a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, think about this. He's at the right hand. Of course, you, it's kind of we're communicating. So the right hand is the, is the place of what? Power. But it's not the throne, right? He's not reigning on the throne yet. He will reign on the throne. But you know where that throne's going to be? In Jerusalem, right? So in order for that to happen, well, guess what Christ has to do? He has to come back. And if we believe the birth narrative, why don't we believe that? Or let me say better. Why don't we live like we believe that he's coming again? That imminency that he, he could come any minute. Next one. The reason, this is pretty simple, isn't it? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's a good verse. 1 John 3, 8. This could be a memory verse. Destroy the works of the devil. Next one. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And that goes on. That's a kenosis passage where he emptied himself. The self-emptying of Christ. He surrendered all this stuff to become our Savior. Next. Robbie read this a while ago. In him was life. And the life. And always these articles matter in the original language. And the life. There's only... The life is about Jesus. The article. His life is like no other. So in him was life. And the life was the light of men. There's only one light for man. It's Christ. According to his great mercy, he called... Oh, my goodness. You mean you just don't get saved on your own accord? According to his great mercy. You know, the Bible says he's rich in grace and rich in mercy. Aren't you glad for that? He caused us to be born again. You, you know, the Bible, James talks about this. You, you know... To think that you're going to decide or somebody, somebody else is going to decide the day they get saved is, is ludicrous. It's like saying you can birth yourself. It's just impossible. He caused us. And I, I want to ask you, have you been born again? I mean, are you different? Or have you been changed? New birth. Are you a descendant? Think, think of it this way. We're all descendant of the first Adam. This is Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. But are you a descendant of the last Adam or the second Adam? Are you offspring of Jesus Christ? Well, if you're born again, you are. That means you live like it. Go ahead. See, I get a sermon in with every verse, right? So it says, of his own will, he brought us forth. And that's birthing terms. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of faith. So he birthed us, James 1.18. But you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons. That now, when we got saved, adopted, there's all these theological things about adoption. That's one reason Paul put it in the book of Romans. But we're adopted. We have received the spirit of adoptions as sons. And by the way, it says that we're able to cry out, Daddy. You know, that's where you get Abba. We cry out, Abba, Father, it means Daddy. Go ahead. Do not marvel that I said to you, 
By the way, this is in the gospel, John 3. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. This, and every word in the Bible is the word of God, right? I, red letters are not any more important than the black ones, but this is Jesus speaking. He says to Nicodemus, do not marvel that I said to you, and this is true, I'm saying to you, you must be born again, right? If you're here today and somehow you think God's going to make an exception for you, that there's salvation some other way than in the name of Christ, you are greatly deceived, amen? amen. It's, and, and how God does it and why God does it and why God saves us is a, is, is a mystery to me. Why God saved me is a mystery to me. But we must be born from above. Go ahead. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, right, became a living being. I love it. You know, it says, and God breathed the breath of life. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. It means the spirit of God. Just as he breathed life into Adam and Adam became a living, the spirit of God gave me life. And now the spirit of God dwells in me. Isn't that amazing? So I have... Think of this, we call him, he's also called the Spirit of Christ. He's called the Spirit of Truth, but he's called the Spirit of Christ. And what he's talking about is the Spirit's nature. We, if we see the Spirit working, the person where the Spirit's working is going to be living like Jesus and talking like Jesus. Man, it's good stuff. 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to go here in just a minute. For our sake, is this the last one? Did I plan it right? Good. For our sake, that to me, this is the best definition of this transaction, okay? Of redemption, how God accomplished salvation. For our sake, He made Him. The first He, I capitalize it, doesn't in the text, is God. Because if you go to the verse before that, which would be verse 20, you know the context is God, the Father. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. He made him. It doesn't say Jesus became a sinner. Jesus did not become a sinner. He couldn't sin, right? That's what the Bible says. So he, so from a from a redemptive stand, from a judicial standpoint, the Father made the Son, made him judicially a sinner. Jesus didn't sin. He didn't become a sinner. He made him to be sin. So he made him who knew no sin. I mean, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Now, so that in Jesus we might become the righteous of God. And I love the uh, New King James says the righteous of God in him. So, that, so Christ was perfect. So when we believed in Christ, we get his history. Amen? Now, I had made a couple of points, so let me, I'm, I know I'm two minutes over, I'm aware of that, but let me, let me, I'd written a couple of notes, I'm going to go over here to 2 Corinthians real quick and, and, and share with you just a couple of things. If you have your Bibles, you want to flip over there with me and, and uh, mention this, write this down in your Bible, I want to go back and read, because, by the way, if you're watching on Friday mornings, well, let me do a little publicity, we're eventually going to, I'm going to scale back the Wednesdays, you know, I'm doing the online thing on Wednesdays at 5. And I may, I'm going to scale that back at some point. But on Friday mornings at 9, right now I'm doing like what I say is the, the most important Bible verses that, that I believe to be the most important Bible verses. Ephesians 2, uh, saved by grace. Uh, uh, Romans 12, uh, do not be conformed to this world, be you transformed. Um, 
I did 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 16 and 17. If anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. So all these, what I would consider Bible verses that, and in, 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 it happens to be that in 2 Corinthians 5, there's two of them. And, and the second one is the verse we're on now. But I want to go back and read. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in 2 Corinthians 5, but I want to go back to verse 16 and read it in its context, and then we'll finish, okay? Um, from now on, I'm in, I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. From now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we... He's just talking about everybody needs to be redeemed by the same power of Christ. So everybody, no matter what their ethnicity is, everybody needs a Savior. But now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He's, he's ascended. So they couldn't see him, but they still knew him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I meet a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And based on what I see, and based on this Bible verse, it's bad at bad grammar, but it ain't so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And how do you know the old has passed away? Behold, the new has come. Can you say that about your life? Now I was 16 when I got saved. But if you were 30 or 80 or 6, this is what God does when He says. And then He says this emphatic statement, all this is from God. This whole work of redemption is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, God has a will and a plan for you. And you can summarize, what's God's will for my life? Well, he's going to call you an ambassador. You know, that's what the Bible says in a minute. But you're, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're, 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 one goal in life is to tell people that are enemies of God how to be reconciled to him. That's God's will. That is, and he's going to tell you what reconciliation is. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message, the message of reconciliation. There's a message, you know. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's impossible to be saved. That's what the gospel is. That's Paul's whole argument in Romans 1 about the gospel. For in it, the rise of God is revealed. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Christ is the answer. As ambassadors for Christ, God's making his appeal through sinners like me and you. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Three things I wrote down in my little, I won't go over in depth. He bought us, okay? Uh, Christ bought us with his own blood. Acts 20, 28, Paul's talking to the elders from Ephesus, and he reminds them that Jesus 
bought the church, believers, with His own blood. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about being bought. He has bought us, therefore glorify God in your bodies. We've been bought, we've been baptized, and of course the whole path. When we talk about baptism, sometimes it's talking about the physical act of baptism, but, it, but he's talking about when you were baptized, you were baptized into his death and his life. So and that's what that pictures. So when you go in that water, you're immersed. That means you are covered in water. So when I came to Christ, I was covered in his death, but I was covered in his life. Have you been baptized into Christ? And then the third thing I wrote down in, the, in my little paragraph outside is bride. We are his beloved bride. And he wants his bride to be a virgin. He's coming back for his bride to take that bride to where he is. God's good, amen? amen. Let's stand together for prayer. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Scott, yeah, hey Scott. Um, you can just do it right there. If you want. Anyway, uh, before Scott prays, um, please stay and fellowship with us. We'll have a good time. Spend a little money. And to God be the glory. Scott, if you'll dismiss us in prayer, please, sir.